Humans are most alive when they light up from their passions. Curious to learn who will be sparking us today? Welcome to where we're most alive right now. Our guest for this episode is one of the best people I know, someone I'm so grateful to call a friend. I've never had a conversation with Angelo Chandra that wasn't engaging. Our core values are too aligned and he brings too much energy to everyone for that to even be a possibility. I just love talking to the guy. We met playing Division Three college baseball during a time when baseball meant the world to me. While sports no longer hold that place in my world, you'll hear I glean some of the most valuable lessons of my life from that experience, and some of the greatest relationships, like this one. Ange throttles up this learning in that sports arena and all around it, too. He's fired with passion for doing things the right way, for developing leaders, for growing and helping our fellow people grow into the best versions of themselves. Like I tell him, if I had kids, I'd pay to have him coach them, in anything. During and after our conversations, I find myself laughing and getting amped up with inspiration at the same time. What a perfect combo for a leader pushing for growth and change. His delivery is one of a kind, and you may want to ask, is he kind of performing when he talks with this much intensity? But I promise you, it's just how he is. And I love it. I wish more people spoke, thought, and lived like him, but even though his son is the fifth, there could really only ever be one. Angelo Chandra. So how are you doing this fine evening, Angelo? I would say I had a weird day today, Dan. Yeah? I don't know if you've ever had vertigo or not. I don't think I have. So I experienced vertigo maybe four years ago. Super bad. Got all the tests done. Everything fine. And ironically, one of my students was out for like two weeks with it. He came back today. I told him all the tips and tricks that I did to get rid of it. Driving Mm -hmm. home today, I got a little episode of it it's so strange can't figure out what it is lay down a little bit ate some food boom 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 feel brand new huh no it was was kind of a weird day all in all how was your day my day was good it was first day on the new job at work when people start new jobs to me that is the only time where i truly feel anxious in this world really i never really worry I kind of think things will always just work out, you know, if you do the right things and, you know, you're, you're a good human being. Whenever I catch somebody that's starting a new job, you know, you go to a Chick-fil-A and I see there's a trainee, I'm the person sure. you want to, you know, <laughs> order. I'm going to help you out with your new job and I'm going to try to enhance you and your job. Wish I could have been there for you this morning, Dan. Now, I love how you flipped that. Because you were going down, you get anxious, and I wanted to talk to you about that, because that's not like you, I don't think. But I like better where you ended up with it, that you take that concern you have, and you flip it, and I'm going to help other people, because I empathize. I know what they might be feeling. Oh, I feel for people with that. I mean, even when, like, I have a friend that's about to start it, I'm just like, man, how you you feeling? You know, are you you sleeping okay? You eating all right? It it makes me uncomfortable just to think about it. What you do with that is incredible. You help out other people because you you feel their pain, even if they haven't told you about it. I feel like that's the one commonality that we all have in the world is we want to help other people. That's my mindset day in and day out. We just had a baby boy. Uh, He's almost two now. And that's the question that I sense myself asking him on a consistent basis is, hey, buddy, how are you going to help people? That question and that answer speaks volumes about yourself. If you can't answer that question on how are you helping people, 
I think you want to reassess some things and, and figure out how you can lend a hand. Do you follow what I'm saying there? I follow and I like it a lot. This is, uh, it's making me think because obviously I think, and I think most people think helping people is good. Sure. No, no one would <laughs> we're not move in the world there, but you're making it a focal point, the focal point perhaps. Okay. So, so he, here's, here's a situation that I was in where to me, if my son did what this fella did to me, I would be so let down. I feel like I mm. failed him as a parent. It was February. It was the week before the Super Bowl. Check that. It was the week of the Super Bowl. And my friend Kevin was getting married in Buffalo. I ended up taking the road trip by myself. Everything mm. was planned. Smooth sailing. Hop in the car. Um, boogie into Buffalo. Breezewood, from Virginia? Pencil- from Virginia. Yes, sir. Yep. Breezewood, Pennsylvania is about the halfway mark. I always stop at the same sheets when I drive up to Buffalo. Um, got my you know breakfast wrap there, smooth sailing, go to get in my car. <laughs> my car won't start. At that moment, my heart sunk. But thanks to my wife, Angela, she has trained me to be a problem solver. Again, sounds so simple. Um, growing up, I saw my father encounter a problem. And then I saw an irate Italian guy. That's the way I grew up. So Angela has seen that out of me and she's tried to not, not, you know, fix me, but change me. There's a better way, Angelo. Yes, exactly. Stay calm. There's a better way. The problem will get solved. Just figure it out. Tried a bunch of things called my father-in-law, who's, you know, pretty much a mechanic. Couldn't get that thing to start. Um, obviously I'm in boiling water here. I'm four hours away from both locations, um, by myself again, not ideal, but that's all right. We're problem solvers. So I call the, uh, I call the triple a guy pick, picks it up. He's going to tow it to rent a car is about 20 miles away. So it's getting a little later. I needed to be to enterprise by five to pick it up. That's when the, that's when the store closed. So the triple a guy goes, I could technically drop you off and then drive the car back to the mechanic. And I said, yeah, if that's going to get me home tonight, let's do it. So we're in the car now driving to Enterprise. And I called a fella on the phone. I said, hey, man, it's been a long day. My car broke down. I'm, I'm halfway in between you know, Virginia and Buffalo here. I'm going to get there right at 5 o'clock. Is that okay? He said, as long as you're here before five, you're good. Mm. And I said, well, you know, sir, I'm, I'm going to get there probably at 5.02 is what it says. You know, is that okay if you wait for me? And he goes, no, no, no. Company policy, we lock the doors at five. And I was just mm. like, I said, let, let me just explain to you what's going on one more time. Gave him the story. You know, <laughs> I just need you to stay there. And then I was pretty blunt with him too. That, hey, I will pay you extra for staying late. You're going to help me out. I'm going to help you out here. We're all set. And he said on the phone, company policy, the doors close at five. And I said, okay, I'm going to get there by five. Dan, it was 5.01. We pulled up. There was nobody there. Nobody there. I rented a hotel room that night. And the AAA driver was the nicest guy you could imagine. He drove me to the hotel, woke up at about 7 o'clock, took a jog to Enterprise. They opened up at 8. 
it was about 14 degrees outside in Breezewood that February day um, <laughs> showed up. It's like 8.03 and the fella's not there to open up yet. Oh, and company policy. Company policy, Dan. Only works on one end, apparently. And I took a video to capture that it was after 8 o'clock and I was in his office. <laughs> Someone let me in this man's office and I was in the office waiting for him. And when he came in, it was like the movie Taken. And he figures out that that was the fella that you know took his daughter. And when the guy asked me how my day was going, I knew it was the fella that closed the night before. <laughs> I could hear it in his voice. You know, I tried to stay as calm as I could, but I, I just let out how I was feeling. You know, I said, this is, this is bogus. You know, you're eight minutes late today, but you had to be on time yesterday. I said, you know, some <laughs> people are punctual and they're going to leave on time. They're going to show up on time. And if that was the way you wanted to roll, I could respect that. But you, I said, you were only looking out for yourself in this situation. And if the world lived like that, it would be a sorry place and a very difficult place for everybody to live in. And you told him that though? Yes. And I worded just like that. And then, you know, he he kind of gave me lip, like, what's your point? And I was just like, that's when I kind of lost. I said, my point is that you were late. That was my point. You were late. <laughs> you know, the, you, you left early the day before or on time, whatever you want to phrase it. And then you were late the next day. And at the end of the whole thing, he apologized to me and said, I should have stayed. You're correct. And I really do apologize for that. I hope everything works out. And, you know, obviously sitting now, you know, we're three, two months later. Like, yeah, I, I get it. I hope I did affect that guy too. And I, I really think I did, Dan. I think you did too. You affected me just the way you, the way you summed that up. If we all looked out for ourselves, this world would be a sorry place. Is that what you said? Yes. It, and it would be. Could you imagine going through your day and never looking out for another person? Don't, don't even think about your family here. Think, think about people that you work with or that you're, they're not even a coworker. They're a client or something. How can you not try to help people in that moment? Man, I needed you for 20 minutes that night to just give me the car. I would have seen my mother and father that night. That would have been perfect. You know what I mean? And yeah. that night, you know, my parents live 500 miles from me. That's, you know, due to my decisions more than anything. But mm -hmm. that was a going to be, to me, a special night. Mama Chandra making dinner. This was a good thing. <laughs> and all I needed from that fella was to stay an extra 20 minutes. And maybe he had some, you know, big important thing, benefit of the doubt, all that's I was just going to say, you know, I don't know that fella's life. Maybe he needed to leave then and there was nothing I could do. Yeah, he didn't He didn't say that. And imagine a world where we can be that authentic with each other too, or that real, you know, where he could be like, listen, man, I would stay, but I've got a date tonight with my high school sweetheart and I haven't seen her in 11 years, but she just finally gave me a chance. And in the back of my mind, I've been waiting on this this whole time. I want to stay for you for 20 minutes, but I can't. Then you'd be like, all right, man, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> I feel for you. Yeah, exactly. And it was none of that. It was company policy. And, and to go back to what you said, like your decisions put you in that spot too, right? Okay. So that's not his responsibility. You could look at it that way. But in this situation, those circumstances, those decisions that you made led to a scenario where he had the power to help you. He had it within his grasp. 
Bingo. in this situation. So forget whose fault or how we got here. And like you said earlier, problem solver. Who's gonna who's gonna solve this problem? Who's gonna do something going forward? And I think that's a that's a better way to look at it, isn't it? Just the the mindset of I'm going to, you know, look out for other people. You know, given the circumstances, I'm not gonna look out for the other people to totally, you know, not allow myself to live. You know what I mean? It, yeah. There's a there's a balance like there is in everything in this world. I think everybody, no matter any path of life, you know, you you could be a Catholic, you can be Mormon, you can be atheist, you you can be anything, black, white, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. Helping people is a natural thing. We want to see other people do well. This is going to sound a little goofy, but um, Mr. Anthony Coppola said this: if everybody treated one another like Buffalonians treat Bill's Sunday, our world would be so much better. And there would be so much <laughs> more that we got out of it just with that simple concept. And it, again, it sounds so easy, Dan, but I I don't feel it all, all that often. But I, th- I think we can impact people to get on that wavelength, to get in that mindset of helping others. Yeah, that's beautiful. The The Bill's analogy is beautiful, and especially to find something that deep in what uh, traditionally Bill's fans are thought to be, or like it's football, right? Not the most uh, spiritual, world-impacting mm-hmm. thing we think of. It's an escape. But you can find important things, good lessons, anywhere you want to look, anywhere you want to find them. And, and he's pulled one out there that if people were just all pulling the rope in the same direction... That's what great leaders do is they can get everyone to pull that rope in the exact direction. And that's when change can be created. Before we get too philosophical, what do you do? How are you helping people? Like what's your job? Yeah, my day-to-day is, I guess, one word is teacher. Uh, Hmm. I I teach high school math at a big public school in Virginia. And then I also coach at that public school. I've coached baseball and football for the last seven years, Mm -hmm. but really my goal is always to train people's thoughts. I I, I like to get into the mindset of, okay, what are you thinking on a consistent basis? Adversity. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when. If you can train your mind that when something goes bad, this is how I'm going to respond then you're prepared for the adversity. Whether it's algebra, whether it's baseball, football, it doesn't matter. I'm trying to become the best version of myself. And that's really what I try to portray to all the students and athletes that that I encounter. There are certain things, there are certain tools that if you have, it almost doesn't matter what comes at you, you can address it. Things are going to go wrong. And I go back to my wife, Angela. If you have that mindset of when something goes wrong, this is how I'm going to respond, and you simulate in your mind, all right, I'm going to stay calm, I'm going to figure out the best solution to this problem, and then I'm going to Mm -hmm. get people to follow me with this problem, given it's a team situation, that's when you can overcome any obstacle or challenge that life throws to you. Are there times where you're going to feel stumped and, and are there, you know, awful, awful things that happen? Sure. But in general, the mindset of overcoming 
the adversity and the obstacles is something that, you know, I, I try to tell all the students, obviously in, in math class, it's more, you know, how are we going to try to solve this equation or how are we going to get this, you know, confidence interval? And on the field, it's a little bit more of, you know, given this play, how are we going to overcome it? But on a deeper level and in a, in a more, you know, uh, level playing surface, I try to tie everything to life. When you're faced with this in life, how are you going to respond? Here's the tools you need in order to respond in a positive way. Yeah. So with the, what you just alluded to, the example with math or the example with uh, on, on the field, pick either one of those, whichever one you like better comes to mind first, however you want to do it. What's an example? What's a, a lesson you've taught there to build that? I love what you said, build that confidence interval. I would say if, if you recall Galarraga's pitching for the Tigers. He's got a perfect game going. It's two outs in the ninth. Ground ball in between the second baseman, first baseman, and the first baseman fields it. Galarraga, the pitcher, sprints over to cover first. He catches the ball, tags first. It's kind of like a bang-bang play. Do you remember, remember this play? This. Yeah, so this it, it, if this guy, if he got this out, he would have finished the perfect game, which is... For those who don't know baseball, an amazing accomplishment. I mean, uh, once in a lifetime. Yes, it just doesn't happen very often. And Jim Joyce calls him safe. And at that moment. But he was clearly out. He was clearly out. He beat him by a step. I I wouldn't even say it was bang, bang. Beat him by a step. And at that moment, Galarraga kind of like looked around and just smiled and handled that situation with such class, never got irate, stayed calm. He got the Latin to the next out. Everything was fine. It wasn't a no-hitter or a perfect game. But that perfect game, in my opinion, it, it wasn't a perfect game, but I call it a perfect game, is more memorable than anything else because of the way he handled the blown call. He didn't let it phase him. He got the next guy out. The Tigers won. And that play right there symbolizes when something real bad happens. And to some people, you're like, hey, it was just a perfect game. A perfect game in baseball, folks, is one of the most precious things in all of sports. It's one of the most rare, rare, rare occurrences. And this man did it. And he caught the ball to make the final out. And the, and the umpire called him safe. And the way he handled that with such class and composure it was just so beautiful. And then I'm going to go to another football story here. When Sammy Watkins caught a pass against the Jets and he was going in for a touchdown, and he started hot dogging it and he started showboating and got caught. When we, when we watch film and show that to the players, Watkins was only worried about himself on that play. Every offensive lineman Every defensive player, every coach wanted Sammy, Mr. 4-3 speed, to run through the goal line to score six points for the Buffalo Bills. But Sammy had to make it about himself. There's a player that was, you know, selfish. You weren't trying to help anybody else. And there's two polar opposites. Galarraga, perfect game, gets taken from him by an umpire. Kamis could be. Only worries about the team. Gets the final out, wins the game. Sammy Watkins catches a pass, and he started hot-dogging it down, 
got caught. We only got three points. I believe the Bills lost that game. Those are two sporting events that translate to life. You got to worry about your teammates. You, you got to worry about everybody else and how your actions impact everyone else. And I really think that's what my mission is at the end of the day, whether it's through coaching, teaching, it's just that development as a person, the growth mindset to develop that human into the best person that they can be. That's perfect. So how are you doing that? What are you giving them in the classroom on the football field to help build that in them? I was lucky enough to graduate with an educational leadership degree. And I thought it was total crap that I had to wait until I went to grad school to learn more about leadership. So it's kind of been on the forefront of my brain to bring this, this curriculum, this leadership curriculum and the leadership traits to the classroom and to sports. Um, I'm trying to get something approved right now for a class on leadership in the school building. Um, I'm waiting to hear back on that right now. Um, But I I, I really do think that leadership is a word that we all hear, but we all don't understand. And the simplest leadership definition I can give is when someone has a vision for something, a clear vision, and can get other people to buy into the vision and help the vision become a reality. Um, Mm. that that's about as simple as I can get to it. Um, and without taking, you know, the grad class, I would have not understood that. And everyone always said, Oh, you're, you're a natural leader. You know, Oh, look at him. He just naturally leads, but leadership is actually skills and traits that we can work on. And even if you're a natural leader, you can become better as a leader, you don't just, you know, plateau and, and, and stay, you know, dormant. You can become you know, again, the best version, the best leader that you can become. I love that. So what are some of those traits or, or can you not give it away? We got to pay to play for that. No, no, absolutely not. That was like an activity that we had to do. At the very end, the five that I came up with were great leaders are going to prepare the right way. They're going to be consistent people. They're going to be accountable as well as keep people accountable. They're always going to have a growth mindset. And at the end of the day, Dan, it's it's almost like one of those baseball sayings. The reason why you're out there is to have fun. It's to it's to enjoy what the day to day progression is. So I put enjoyment as my mm. fifth one. All right. So it was preparation, accountability, growth mindset, enjoyment, and what was the fifth? Consistency. Consistency. Got to be a consistent person. I, I think you got to develop habits. You, there's got to be um, a a why to what you're doing at all times. You you always got to be on task. I think wasting time is is something that it's it's poison. Okay, so a leader avoids that, avoids wasting time, is consistent and on message, has a why. I like that. What is this growth mindset? I've heard this term. The Buffalo Bills use this term, but to to you, what is it? Growth mindset was actually introduced really to me when Coach McDermott took over. Ironically, at the same time that I started my master's program and I started to learn about it. Um, And it's just the concept of no matter what happens, I'm going to learn from it. 
and I'm going to be better from it. It can be an experience. Uh, it can be, you know, knowledge that you were given um, any way, anyhow. So, you know, in sports, you, you learn from the wins and the losses. This is a, this is actually a cool story, Dan. I, uh, I ran into coach McDermott right when he got the job. I went to a really? soft, uh, yeah. The girl that I babysat growing up was, was playing softball and it was in Orchard Park, I believe. I'm sitting there, I'm looking at like, that's Coach McDermott right there. At the end of the game, he walked to the car with a duffel bag over his left shoulder, a duffel bag over his right shoulder, and two, you know, full buckets of balls. Any baseball player out there, I mean, you you know, coaches always try to designate people and we try to pass around, create teams and that <laughs> stuff. And I get it, but someone's carry the balls. When I, when I saw Coach McDermott do that, I was like, there's a leader to me because that's someone that's willing to do anything to make other people's jobs easier, more manageable. Leaders got a knack for doing that. But at the same time, you know, it's always a balance. You can't spread yourself too thin, but there's no job too small. And, and Coach McDermott, when he did that, yeah. I thought the Bills were in for a, a good, you know, hey, we got a leader. We got a guy in here that's going to do the right thing, behave the right way and get other people to do that. And I mean, it, it's worked out. Yeah, he just seems to get it. I don't know if I've told you this before, but I've told other people before. I think my parents, when they've asked like, oh, what's Angelo up to? Oh, he's a teacher and a coach now. I would drive my kid hours to be coached by you. You could coach him how to ride a Razor scooter if you learn that. I don't care. I appreciate that, Dan. That yeah. Means, that means a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know you got a story from your class where some kid was acting up and you said, listen, and you looked him in the eye with that look you get and your chin comes forward in front of your chest a bit and you told him what? Yeah, let me think here, Dan, because that's definitely happened before. <laughs> I'm sure it has. I'm surprised it doesn't happen daily with you. So I would say there was a time that this fellow that I'm going to tell a story about is arguably the best athlete that I've ever seen with my own two eyes. He took a picture <laughs> in high school and he looked like Bo Jackson. Over the course of his career, he hit about 450 with like 10 home runs, struck out a total of 10 times in, in his high school career. And he played four years of varsity. So 10 total times, you know, what is that? About two, three times a year. One game, his senior year, kids probably throwing, you know, 70 miles an hour. It was a kid that we were hitting okay, strikes out for the third time in three at-bats. You know, just so uncharacteristic, came to the dugout. And beat the helmet in so hard that it just exploded into about a million pieces. Hmm. And as a leader on the team, being the head coach, it was gut check time for me. You know, it was my first year as the head coach. And we have our, you know, superstar player breaking helmets into a thousand pieces for striking out. Now, did I understand his frustration? Absolutely. But as a leader, I needed to hold myself accountable. And in that moment, it was a great teaching lesson for everybody that was a part of Riverbend <laughs> Baseball Program because I took our best player and sat him out the rest of the game. And then we sat him the following game as well. But it was done for a reason that was was honestly a meaningful decision in everybody, the parents, the fans, 
the players, the coaches, as in nobody's above the rules. You know, we set rules. You're not going to break equipment. We broke equipment. We threw it. And it was it was a gut check time for me as to, wow, it's the first time I was being tested as a leader and nothing speaks louder than your actions. You know, mm. action is the, is the loudest speaking thing that we have. And for me, that action resonated with everybody for the next, you know, three plus years. And what do you think? I mean, it's obvious, but talk it through for the sake of it, because I like when you do that. What do people get from that? Why is that important to send that message? Not just so they know not to break the rules, but what? See, that that's exactly why the rules there is, you know, sure, we don't want to act a fool. We don't want to break things, blah, blah, blah. But really what it comes back to is, you know, there was a problem. There was adversity. When adversity comes into your face, if you're going to throw crap, you know, and quote unquote, act like a child, that's not going to fly. That's not the target behavior that we're looking for. What do we want? Exactly. It's helping no one. It's bringing negative vibes. And as soon as you do that, you're bringing everything down a notch. Our behavior and attitude can never get too high, can never get too low, but sometimes it can get too high. And I would always say that it's okay to get too high with your attitude. It's okay to have a lot of fun. Um, but never, never, never can we get too low. That, that's just not the way to live life. That's not a good mentality. You're going to be put in hot spots where th- there's there's just things you can and can't do. And one thing, when you're in a real spot, a real situation, you can't lose your cool. You need to always be thinking of, how can I solve this problem? I mean, this all hits close to home. As you know, we played baseball together in college. I would say for most of my career, except for about a maybe a two-year window, I was like the gentleman you just talked about or, or closer to him than I should have been. But what happened in that two-year period that changed me? I joined a team of players who did things the right way, A to Z. They worked so hard. They had so much fun. They looked out for each other. They were mentally tough, like you said. They didn't show that type of thing. And it's like, you talked about a cliche earlier, Sometimes I love cliches because I like to pause and be like, why is this cliche? Because it's so true for so long. Don't let it lose its power because it's cliche. Like when you're a leader, that just emanates out and people catch it. I was around guys doing things the right way. And I went from a lifetime of not doing it the right way to doing it that way because of them. Those last couple of years I had, oh, guess what? They also ended up being some of the best performance years okay one (laughs) but it uh there was only a two-year window so the first year was learning the second year i I got good for once but it was on a foundation of that of doing things the right way Mm. and it taught me and this is why like sports okay sports are a toss away but no like what we're pulling out here is these examples where over and over and over in my life playing baseball i was faced with this frustration things not going my way me trying to do things and failing and how do you handle that and not, not well a lot, but I kept getting practice at it. And eventually I learned how to. And I think I, for me, I know it made me better in my life. I'm grateful my parents had me play sports so much because I got to a point where now in life, when I fail at something or when something doesn't go my way, I know I can work my way through it and I can keep that attitude where I'm going to get where I'm trying to go because I had the reps through sports and it could be anywhere in life, but that's where I had it. 
with sports. The phrase I like to use, Dan, is we we are looking for plays, not excuses. So I always say make plays, not excuses. And mm. to your point, it, you know, when, when something fails or something like that, you're still trying to make that play. It, it's not throwing the towel. It's okay. I'm going to get a little grittier here and I'm going to make that happen for myself. And, you know, yeah, sure. We're out of sports now for the most part, but it's making plays in your life. It's, it's making life happen for yourself. Live the life you imagined kind of deal. Um, yeah, and, another and cliche not, that not like, a, yeah, think exactly, about it. Exactly. It, it's not excuses. You, you ju- you're just making it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. With the baseball specific for me, okay, instead of punting the helmet, I think you could probably attest to this. I was, I think, known as the crazy guy who would go in the outfield and work on his swing between pitches, mm-hmm. like all the time. Like, There's Dan out there swinging his glove. Why? Because that was a more productive thing to do than pout or throw yes. my glove or those things that I did other times. But I eventually was able to pivot myself to, I'm going to practice and work on it the best way I can in the middle of this game and try to get better instead of getting upset, staying upset. No doubt. So I talked a lot about, about the mindset, leadership, human development, and I love it. But I'd be damned if I didn't ask you, Dan, what, what caused you to start this podcast? You know, and I love, I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about everything that makes people passionate, you know, and, and it, it, it vibes your mind and you grow from it, you know, growth mindset. But what what caused you, Dan, to start this podcast? And you, I think you're doing a great job. I, I love everything about it, Dan. <laughs> but, but honestly, what caused you to do it? Because a lot of people say, oh, I want to do a podcast, blah, blah, blah. But it never comes to fruition. And as soon as you told me about the podcast, I said, Dan's about to do a podcast for real here, folks, you know, get, get buckled <laughs> up. So what, what did make you start this? Uh, you're too kind. Although you're flipping the script on me, put me on the hot seat a little bit. Um, you did kind of warn me. Uh, I needed, I needed a thing to pour myself into. Like we keep going back to baseball. There was a time when that was baseball and I poured myself into that and I got, you know, great baseball results and I think some life lessons, but I needed something to care about and to work at and try hard at. So I thought a lot about what is it that would mean something to me that matters to me that I feel good about. And I had a lot of help getting there from different people in my life, from a therapist, uh, trying to find something worth doing, like at the deepest level uh, for me right now, not for everybody all the time in the world. Like everybody should do a podcast. No, no. What is it for me? And so for me, I'm what we found, what we eventually got to is that I'm curious about a lot of different things. I want to see as much of the world as I can. And I don't just mean geographically. I mean, at different levels of depth, different people, different um, cultures, different experiences, different opinions, different thoughts, all of it. I want to see as much as I can. So how can I do that? Well, it's through other people because they're doing it already. They've seen a lot more than I have, so I can connect to them. And everywhere I plug into them, it lights up more of this electric grid of the world for me. So learning through people who are excited about it. And I've got some people in my life like yourself who just get really fired up about whatever it is they're doing. And it makes you kind of get excited about it. You're talking about whatever. You're talking about your rental car story. And I'm like into it. I feel the passion. And you talk about, yeah, you're going to see your mom and your dad, right? You make it, you make me feel it. 
I wanted to connect what I loved with what other people love. And then why a podcast? I don't know. I felt like putting it out there. I felt like when something's that, when it feels good for you to that level and it feels like a good thing, why not share it? And if, if good comes out of it, great. If it doesn't, great. But I think you're an example. I, I haven't had probably a real conversation with you, Ange, since you since I found out you were having a kid, which was mm-hmm. probably almost three years ago. At Duff. But this podcast has brought us together, right, in this way. So already good is just coming out of it because it was a good thing and we just followed it. So that's a long answer. Well, I would say, Dan, do you feel like doing the podcast, you learn almost as if you were reading a book? Absolutely. You, you learn from other people because they've read books and lived life and had experiences and relationships and stumbles. And so that colors how they think and feel. And then they share that with you. And now you, you learn that you're exposed to that and you do what you want with it. But, but yeah, I would say for sure. So teaching in the COVID year, if you will, this year um, has Mm -hmm. been interesting. But one of the things I learned was how to create an interactive classroom and I can literally read the screen of all my students at the same time. It's actually very fascinating. And once I learned you were doing this, I asked my students, what makes you feel alive? That's and so cool. they were taken back by the question. And then they were very, very open and receptive to this question to the point where students were unmuting themselves and asking questions or saying what they were passionate about. And wow. to, a, to a lot of people, they're like, oh, who cares? You unmuted? Yeah, well, going to a virtual class in high school right now, there's not many kids that are unmuting. You know, So to get <laughs> them to unmute themselves and then talk in front of everybody, the whole class, is – you don't want to say a miracle because it, there's it's a small sample size, but it feels like a miracle. You know, it was very impressive, and and the things that they said, it, a lot of students talked about their health and how important that was to to live a long, healthy life. And I was just like, I didn't start thinking about that un- until I was thirty years old. That never <laughs> dawned on me to live a healthy life until I was thirty. And, you know, they're already one step ahead of the game. And then there were so many students, Dan, that would say super specialized ideas, like helping people that have no legs and arms. I was like, wow, Hmm. you know, I never thought of something like that as that's what I want to do in this world. But like you said, everybody's kind of their own book. They all got their own passions and we can all learn from one another's experiences. And I learned more from my students that day than, than I taught those kids that day. No doubt about it. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, so again, I, I'm thrilled to hear that because like, I, when I started this freaking thing, did I envision that some classroom of one of my friends was going to be talking? No, you just do it because it feels good for you and it feels right. And you hope that it has some impact. But I, I love hearing this about these kids that, hey, it woke them up for a day, for a few minutes to get them to talk, helping people. It, it kind of comes back around to where you started. That person's already, you must have already gotten through to them. They're into the helping people thing. So what do you think kids today are not getting or not getting enough of from leaders, let's say, 
that would help them be the best version of themselves? What are they, what do they not get enough of that you're trying to give them more of? So that's a really good question. Let's say there's 90% of students that are doing kind of what we envision. They're taking in what we're teaching them. Well, then there's that 10% that, you know, they're not catching what we're throwing at them, you know? And when that happens, Dan, there has to be a relationship and we have to find out what's going on in that person's life. We have to learn why they're behaving the way that they're behaving. And kids aren't just going to open up to you. It's not like some sort of, oh, wow, I'm going to ask you what's going on and you're going to tell me. There needs to be a relationship from you know day one. And the students have to feel like the teacher, myself, is on their team. Mm-hmm. And then, well, how do you do that? Again, I think it starts from day one with, I'm here to help you. You're, you're at level you know A. You're trying to get to level B. I'm here to assist you. I am one resource for you. And there's a million resources in this world, but I'm just one of them and you can depend on me. And when students feel that and they kind of catch your flow and they get your vibe and they, they really buy in that you want them to succeed and do better and grow, then that 10% of students that really aren't, you know, with the program, quote unquote, you can reach them and you can find out why, and then you can get them to that next step. Superb way to put it. I'm glad I asked you that question because I thought you'd have an answer like that for us. And it ties back around to, you talked about helping people, but you've got to help yourself too. How do, how do you do that? We want to have this great impact on the world, but where do we start? Who do we start with? That's, an, that's another deep one, Dan. I, I mean, f- for, for me, it's discipline about with, with myself. It's discipline on, you know, going to bed and waking up. Taking care of yourself. Yes. Healthy habits. Um, everyone has habits. You want to make your habits as healthy as possible to give yourself the best chance to help other people. And mm. again, I'm, I'm not saying spread yourself so thin that you can't take care of yourself. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, Have you heard you the phrase... Use- you can't pour from an empty cup. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm feeling. Yes, you, you, you have to drink. You have to feel good. Your cup better be full. And when you got a full cup, then you can give your best to help other people. What fills my cup up so I can pour it for other people and then I can fill it back up and you just have this cycle where helping me helps you and it just goes round and round. Yes, yes. And, and some people, and I'm sure it's not all people, get that high feeling of helping others. And and that's something that I get. I love seeing kids do things that they couldn't do before I met them. And now because I met that kid, they can now do that. And there is a a feeling that I get that to me fills my cup up. Another saying too is um, a, a family one. When you teach your kid you are teaching your kids, kids, kids. And mm. that to me is super, super cool to see, you know, my my grandfather, so my son's great-grandfather still here, and things that he taught my dad, my dad taught me, I'm teaching him. To me, that's just cool. And again, that's giving time. That's me helping someone else. 
and it's so rewarding. And people that live a life where they don't look out for others, they're missing part of life because it it is so rewarding to see someone benefit from your assistance and your time. And again, time is precious, Dan. There's a finite amount of it and there's a legacy that we will all leave. And the more time I can spend affecting other people and helping them, I feel like the the deeper and the more impact I can have on the world. Your legacy is how to make yourself more eternal. That's just going to expand your reach, you know, further and further. And again, it's that perfect example of filling your cup. I'm not a parent, but from what I understand, it's pretty incredible to have that feeling. That probably fills your cup a little bit. And you're also giving to the world by raising that child well, right? So you're getting that cycle that we just talked about. No doubt. And and I will say, Dan, that my father coached high school football for 30 years. He was, the, he was the head coach of two programs. And his last game he ever coached, they invited all of the players that had played for him to the game. Oh, boy. There was probably 200 guys that showed up ages you know, 50 to 20, how weird is that, that played for my father and they all wrote a story that impacted them. And the impact that my dad had on all of those people and how many guys wrote, you know, I taught my kids this, or I taught my students what you taught me. The impact can just spread like wildfire. That alone is powerful. And you can make true change by impacting a group of people. If it's your family or not your family, um, it, it is just a powerful, powerful thing of helping people and being a positive role model in the community. And you, you truly never know the impact that it can be. But at the end of the day, Dan, you, you got to believe in what you're doing. And making the world a better place is, again, a a good reason to help. So now that everybody's heard how awesome you are, what's one decision that you've made in your life that you think contributes to the best parts of who you are today? Know what, Dan? I I think that answer is actually pretty simple for me. I went to a public middle school. It was called Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin feeded to Kenmore East. So all my friends went to Kenmore East. I had to make a decision to go to the public school with my buddies, or I had an opportunity to go to a private school where my father was the athletic director and assistant principal. And at the time, I didn't really realize the magnitude of that decision. I just was just like, hey, where am I going to go to school? And at that time, more importantly, where am I going to play sports? Going to Cardinal O'Hara High School forever changed my life because of the diversity at that school. That school was made up of white people, black people, Koreans, Chinese people, Hispanics, you name it, Cardinal O'Hara had it. Where at the public school, it it wasn't as diverse. Interesting. And the skills I learned at Cardinal O'Hara 
have followed me all the way through life where I feel like I have an advantage because of the experiences I had at Cardinal O'Hara due to the diversity. And that decision going to Cardinal O'Hara impacted my life forever. And, and, and I, I deal with all types of people. It doesn't matter who you are. I view the same. And I don't know if that would be the case if I was not, you know, immersed in that culture. Hey, thank you very much for listening to this little creation. If it made you smile, let's do it again. And in the meantime, please leave a rating and a review. Follow on Instagram at Most Alive Podcast for bonus content previews or to contact me and maybe even tell some other people where they can feel most alive. Most alive.